Still waiting for the sun to come up. I mean, I realize it's a scheduled event, but anyway, there's no point in having any impatience. Uh, never uh, any impatience about getting Thomas Mulcair on the air, the former leader of the NDP, political analyst. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, John. Okay, so let's quickly um, unpack some of your takeaway from Joe Biden's visit to Canada. It was a two-day affair. The president almost never spends the night. Um, but it was also seemingly productive, and I was present in the House for his speech. Uh, here he is. It, it, you know, you must have seen it before. Presidents are always uh, singing the praises, Canada, U.S., undefended border, blah, blah, blah. But there seemed to be a particular um, depth to Joe Biden's affection yes. for Canada. Let's listen. Our destinies are intertwined, and they're inseparable, not because of the inevitability of geography, but because it's a choice, a choice we've made again and again. The United States chooses to link our future to, with Canada because we know that we'll find no better partner. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. No more reliable ally, no more steady friend. And today I say to you and to all the people of Canada that you will always, always be able to count on the United States of America. Okay, so Thomas Mulcair, that was almost like a renewal of vows. Yes, well said. <laughs> and it was interesting because, of course, uh, the day the day before, it had been very rainy when he had arrived in Ottawa, and it was a, a symbolic of what Trudeau had been going through with the resignation from caucus of, uh, of, of Mr. Dong. So it was a bit dark for Trudeau. The next day, magnificent blue sky, the eternal wait for that 45 car motorcade to finally show up but bam once they were together the thing went off perfectly the whole day like you say that speech was a keynote and in the evening same thing great renewal of that relationship done perfectly i think trudeau really was at the top of his game as was biden and i think that for all canadians it, it was really an indication that the the next level of the relationship is about to take place. But why am I saying that? If you look at the past, when there was this type of meeting, you'd get this sort of boring half-page recital of nothing. You know, this time around, holy cow, look at the document that they put out together at the end of the second day. It's an over-the-horizon look at the next generation of our relationship. It goes into deep detail of what both sides are going to have to do if we want to link our economies better. Still stuff in the Buy America you know, provisions that are very great concern to Canada. We're not going to worry about that. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk about strategic minerals. We're going to talk about a new type of economy where we're going to stop offshoring the more complicated digital and electronic stuff that's been going to China. It's going to have to be brought back and it's going to be brought back to both our countries. So it's a, it's a vision statement, very detailed. I've never seen anything like it. And it got largely unnoticed because people stick to just the symbolic part, but the substantive part, much uh, deeper than anything I've ever seen in the past, John. Okay, listen, before we deal with a couple of other things, one last question. What do you make of the presence of the two Michaels? I don't know when they were invited, but their presence in the House was a bonus for Trudeau because I don't think they would Absolutely. have showed up if they actually believed that somebody had been strategizing exactly. to keep them in jail. 
Exactly. That is 100% the message that Trudeau was trying to send. It was a political coup. Uh, They were there at the evening. They were there in the House. It was brilliant politics. He didn't have to speak about it beyond that. But I think everybody got the message that, no, don't go believing, you know, some of the stuff that you're reading. And I think we'll see what comes out of it from now on, because, of course, there's going to be more work done. I am I remain convinced, John, that there will have to be a proper commission of inquiry. Trudeau's stalling that as long as he can, we know, but I I think it's inevitable. So we'll find out. We'll get to the bottom of it. Canadians have a right to know. This is a tough economic climate to be coming out with a budget in. Uh, What do you think we're going to see tomorrow? A little bit of everything. I think that Christy Freeland, well, I'm convinced that Christy Freeland is the strongest minister in Trudeau's cabinet. I think that she's been working on this from the sources I've been speaking to. She's been working tirelessly on this. She is a very hard worker. So he's got to do a couple of things. He's got to show that there's a roadmap to get to more balanced budgets, something that Trudeau didn't find very important when he got elected the first time. But then by the time the pandemic hit, he had already run up a hundred billion dollar deficit and then we know that everything went through the roof after that so she's got to start showing that there's an idea of being able to reel that in without getting accused of bringing in austerity measures that can hurt people we've also got to have major changes in our economy the greening of the economy the zero carbon economy these are all things that trudeau believes in but it hasn't really been able to do so far will she be able to show a roadmap for that as well and what are you going to do to help people at these times of inflation you have to deal with it because one, families need that help, and two, Poiliev is scoring into an empty net on these issues. So they've got to have an answer for that as well. So I'm expecting to see a little bit of all those things in her budget tomorrow. Okay, I've got another clip for you. This is Jagmeet Singh, NDP leader on Question Period with Vashi Kapelos, and she said, do you have any regrets over your deal with the Liberals? I feel really, really uh, proud of the fact that we've been able to do so much. We're the fourth party in Parliament, and we're going to expand our healthcare system for the first time in a historic way to include dental care for millions of people. That's something I'm really proud of. But I'm not satisfied with it. Maybe that's a better way to put it. I'm not satisfied because I don't want to just push government. I want to be the one making the decisions for the interests of people. And having been in a position where I can actually influence decisions, I've seen how much better we would do if we were the ones calling the shots. And so it's led me to not be satisfied with the position I'm in. I want to be the prime minister, but I'm proud of the work we've done. All right. I actually think that this deal is mitigating against the possibility of his becoming the prime minister. I think that he knows that, and that's why he's trying to lay down a few markers. It was a good line, because you might recall a couple of months back, he just blurted out in the middle of a question-in-question period, when I'm prime minister, this and this will happen, and it didn't go very well, no. And so I think that with his team, he's thought this through. This was a much better way of presenting the idea. But I agree with you, because what's happening now is that people are looking at Trudeau and saying, okay, you've got a real right-winger this time. This is not Andrew Scheer. This is not Aaron O'Toole. This is Pierre Poilievre. And what do we do with our votes? Because the NDP remains at 18%, which is where Mr. Singh has kept the party pretty well steadily throughout his his time at the helm. But what's going to happen in the next election? That pressing demand for voters not to split the vote, which is a classic liberal theme, it's going to have more potency than ever. And so I think that what Singh is trying to say with this is, sure, he'll talk about becoming prime minister, but I don't know how much he believes that in his heart of hearts. But what he's trying to say to Canadians is, keep a good, strong contingency of NDP there, because we will hold their feet to the fire. 
Nothing the NDP hates more than being told that they're the conscience of parliament and stuff like that, or liberals in a hurry. But this is a way for Singh to lay down a few markers and say, look, we've done a good job. We've pushed them to deliver on stuff they've only talked about. And it's true. In the past couple of years, you know, we've had these big agreements on health care, really big program on $10 a day childcare across the country that's working well. And of course, Singh gets to boast personally about dental care for kids. So those are all big things that he can point to and say, keep us around. Because if you give the liberals a majority, they won't be doing any of this stuff the next time around. So that's what he's trying to do, assure that the party continues throughout. And he's going to fight hard. Okay, one last issue for you. People are squawking over the governor general taking a four-day visit to Germany with 32 guests, and it costs taxpayers $700,000. I guess, I mean, okay, so she shouldn't travel. Well, I, I think we've got to calm down about this. It, it, you know, it provides good copy, but she occupies a really important role. And I'll explain what it is in my view, because I had a chance to go on a couple of trips with David Johnson when he was the governor general. We don't have a vice president. You know, Kamala Harris plays that role for Biden all the time. She goes to countries that are not going to be visited by Biden during his mandate. But they're important countries that you have to keep relationships with. So what we have is a governor general who can go with a retinue of people, important Canadians with connections to that country, and just be seen to be reassuring people and reinforcing that relationship. I think that that's an important role. And yes, that's what it costs to, to travel that many people. And let's let's get over it. I mean, you know, we are a G7 country and we've got to maintain good relations with a bunch of our neighbors. And Germany is one of them. Thank you, sir. What a pleasure. All the best. Take good care. Thomas Mulcair, former leader of the federal NDP.